You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. How's everyone doing? Still staying cool? It's not supposed to get to like 91 until 2 or 3, so I'm going to preach for a while to see if we get the heat. Yeah, Shane is back there. Yes, heat. I love the heat. Heat is good. Amen? One. I got one. There it is. All right. Um, so as we dive in, I, coming out of last week, we saw this really huge move happen um, in the apostles as they were able to speak in tongues. The spirit fell on the place where they gathered, where they were in one accord and did some incredible things, giving them, them a, a supernatural ability to communicate the mighty works of God to all the devout Jews that were in Jerusalem to launch uh, what we're seeing in this chapter be what we now understand as the modern church or the new church age, which is really exciting. One of the things that uh, I get asked often is, how do you prepare to teach or to preach? What is your process? What is, what is it that you go, how long do you take uh, in that process? Do you have like a structure that all comes out in that, whatever it may be? And so it's kind of a fun question to answer and it's different for every pastor, every teacher. I would say if all of you educators out there that are teaching in classrooms all year long, very likely you've got, you were taught some structure on how to create curriculum and teach, but yet you probably all very uniquely do that differently in each of your classrooms, although there might be some order there. I think it's the same thing for pastors. Pastor Keith and Pastor I prepare very, very differently in the sense of, of how we spend our time, what we look at, when we look at it, blah, 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 down through the line of, of that process. And what I learned, I got, I learned a, a like have a strategy, a structure in college and then in seminary, I, I learned another one and then I, I got certified in another communications thing and I learned another one. I'm like, wow, there's just a lot of ways to put together a message. And so as I was thinking about what we're gonna dive in today, that kind of stands out to me with what we see Peter do today. And I really wanna take some time to preach, but also teach a little bit for y'all because I think the way that, that Peter presents what he's gonna present is something that we can learn from and, and take hold of and say, hey, if Peter can do it, I can do that. And if, if Peter can bring this kind of word out to share the gospel in this way, I can do that. I wanna encourage you all that what Peter does is not just something that a super apostle can do or only a pastor can do or maybe only an educator can do. And so whether you're a student or even a kid or an adult, no matter where, how old you are, how long you've lived life, no matter what you've done in your world, I believe Peter presents a way that you can take that and go, I can learn from that. Hey, I can do what Peter just did. And, and replicate that and share the gospel with the word around me. And that's where I wanna dive into today. Because there are certain things that no matter what pastor it is or, or maybe what educator or teacher or communicators, when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the gospel, a few things are always consistent. And this is what I've seen. The word is always consistent. When the pastor is committed to the word of God, that is something that every pastor will run to, amen? Like we hope for that. We don't wanna just get this uh, random kind of feeling good kind of thought coming out of somebody. We wanna hear from the word of God. We also wanna understand the audience that is around us. 
So for me, I... I did uh, one of the first times I taught our student ministry here at Westwind. I, I lived in California for a lot of years. I love to surf. And so the, it's just, it, there's some great analogies that come out of surfing. And so um, I was getting ready to teach uh, a bunch of high school kids that, that just about this, this part of the word, the gospel that was there. And um, at one of the high schools, they were doing this luau theme and they did this whole surf theme. And I heard one of the girls say, you know, it just doesn't communicate. We live in Iowa. There's not an ocean around. I'm like in this conversation going, ah, oh, well, I think I need to change my whole illustration I was going to use. And I kind of joke through that, but there's something about understanding your audience, but you also have to understand what's going on for your audience in that place. Those are really honestly three things that every pastor is going to consider before they get up and preach. Because you can't just take any one message and plug it into every situation for every people. The word does that but how we communicate, how we preach that, it doesn't always work that way. So we have to be considerate of those things. And I think Peter is that way. So I'm gonna preach through this passage, but I also wanna take some time to teach because I want you guys to learn um, that the giving the gospel to others, sharing the gospel with others is right there in your hands. And let's look at Peter a little bit because uh, while he becomes what some may call the super apostle, I mean, he, the Lord said, hey, I'm gonna build this church upon you, the rock, and he's gonna launch that. And we see that actually happening in the verses today, which is pretty awesome. But Peter, for the most part, struggled kind of through his journey, even only a few days before this, these events. Days before these events, he, he denied Christ. And yet here he is in this moment of vulnerability of like the spirit's doing something. I've got to say something to gather the truth around this moment. And he just leans into it. He steps into it with faith and obedience and he works his way through it. He has never done this before. He has, he's never stepped in this place. He'd watched Jesus kind of unfold this over the years, but even Jesus took a different approach to that in many ways. And he was Jesus. And so Peter kind of stepping into this moment was a big deal. And I think we can feel that weight sometimes too. I think we feel that weight so much so that at times we don't even open our mouths. We go, ah, oh, you feel that tug in you? Like, I need to tell this person about Jesus. I want to express to them the goodness of God's word and his love for them, but I just don't feel I know how, or I don't have the words. And then we just kind of, oh yeah, I'm going to be praying for you, which is not a bad thing. Definitely be praying for people, encourage people with that. But to miss the opportunity to potentially share the gospel gets lost because we don't feel like we may know how or that we don't feel confident in the words we may share. And so in this moment, what we see in Acts chapter two is that Peter is given the words through the power of the spirit to speak forth truth so that his audience and his listeners in the context of what he, where he is, is being heard and again, it's so hard to preach this chapter without going all the way through it. And Pastor Keith gets all the fun stuff to come because he gets to see and preach through the response in the next couple of weeks of what happens within the church, what happens within the people. But we can't get there without seeing how we got there. So Acts chapter two, I'm gonna start in verse 14 and I'm gonna read down through this um, together. And we're gonna go all the way through verse 36. So if you got a Bible, flip it open. If you got a phone, turn it on. Um, only for the sake of reading the Bible. Don't, you know, tweet things or Twitter things or Facebook things. or Unless you're online, you can Facebook all you want. Um, are we here? Quiet. It's so quiet out. Okay, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. 
For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. I love that. He kind of says, like, no one's drunk by this time of the day. It's early in the morning. Who would be drunk by them? But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Verse 17, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, here's these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Let's just pause on that moment because those two verses are awesome. I can, they're so awesome, I'm gonna read them again. That Jesus was delivered up according to the definite and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lost men, but God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Amen? For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced and my flesh will also be dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he was poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Good job, Peter. He steps into a moment that was just unknown and unnerving where he was surrounded by all these devout men of Jerusalem, these devout Jews who knew the word, who had some understanding of of the history and the prophecies of God's word. And he let them have it, not necessarily in a bad way, not that he's trying to push their thumb down on him. He's not trying to point out you're the bad guys. He's trying to point out while something bad happened, God overcame it. While something unfortunate came about in our world and then we all saw it happen, 
God raised us up to life through that moment. It is through this Jesus that great things are about to come. It's through this Jesus that we are redeemed, that we are reconciled, that we are, are brought back to this right relationship with God. It is through this Jesus that all the things that we know as Jews, this is what we have been about. This is what and who we have been waiting for. Is this Jesus. And I love how Peter does this because he breaks it down. And I'm going to break it down into four different areas. And this is where I want to teach a little bit because I think you can take these four areas of what Peter does in his sermon, as it, in his approach and his communication to these Jews. I think there's something we can learn from. And we walk off this lawn, we can walk out of our home and we can head out into the, wherever we go, work, Starbucks, uh, the grocery store, the every smile and every aisle at hy V, you know, wherever it is. And we can take a moment and take these four things and share the gospel with others. We make much of the mighty works of God through these four things. So the first thing is Peter just keeps it current. He recognizes what's going on in the situation of where he is. Peter could have taken it in a whole lot of different ways. He could have ignored the fact that all of this stuff was happening and the spirit just fell and these people are talking in languages, something that he probably wasn't even fully grasping and understanding himself. He could have just blown over that and just went straight for something else, but he didn't. He recognized what was happening in that moment, in that space. He recognized that these people were drawn to this place because of a, a mighty rushing wind, a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And they were drawn to this place and they were marveling. They were just blown away by what was happening they saw these apostles speaking the mighty works of God in their own languages. And so he addresses that. He stays current to the situation for those folks. He addresses them right where they are. He does this in a few ways. And first and foremost, if you jump back into verse 12 and 13, it says, all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? They were asking the question. They were wanting to know. And Peter just leans into that. Hey, you're asking the question. Let me give you the answer. But... Others mocking said they're only filled with new wine. So here's the thing, Peter got this. There's always gonna be mockers and haters in our world, especially when it comes to the gospel. For those that are broken, for those that are searching, for those that are, are caught up in all the, the brattle and, and, and commentary of our world, it's really easy in our modern age to run into mockers and haters. They'll look at the word of God and say, that's not true. Jesus isn't really that. I mean, he was maybe a good guy or a good prophet or whatever else, but it's just easy because there's so much commentary in our world today. And Peter's wrestling through that too. And he recognizes that. He recognizes the, the commentary and the process and the questions that are going. He keeps it current. And he draws it right to the passages of scripture that he walked through. He draws it right back to what they're asking about. That the apostles were uttering the mighty works of God. They were prophesying, speaking God's word over these Jews, to these Jews. And Peter looks right at that. This is what's happening right here. Let's speak to this moment. Maybe in our context, we walk into a, a, a a conversation with someone and, and their marriage is falling apart or maybe their business is falling apart that we can bring the gospel right to that moment because the Lord wants to minister to them in that moment. So when we understand the people that we're talking to, the context or the current realities of their lives, God opens it up, the spirit fills you to speak to that current moment for the people that you're sharing with. Peter did that right there. Even when he goes like, these people aren't drunk. It's too early in the morning. That's a whole other issue, but they're, they're doing something miraculous. 
God is here. So let's recognize God in this current moment. Let's recognize the spirit right here in this moment. Peter draws attention to the current. And then he focuses on things that are relevant. He focuses on things that are relevant. He draws the attention to things that, that people already, his, his audience already has an idea of, that they have some understanding of. He goes right to the prophet Joel. So for these devout men, these devout Jews that traveled back to Jerusalem for these feasts, like we talked about last week, they get it. The reason that they're coming to the temple these, over these 50 days is because they understand the words of the law. They understand the covenant. They understand what they are responsible to do as devout people of God's word, of the father. They're returning to this place. So Peter just keeps it relevant. Hey, this is what you understand. So let me speak that truth back to you. And he gives them this prophecy from the book of Joel. And then later on in verse 25 through 28, he speaks of, the, of, of David's Psalm in Psalm 16. These are, are passages and truths and song that these men very likely understood and knew. And it even points it out in verse 22, that as you yourselves know, he points out that you already know this. Like you see what's going on and, and you just need to connect with what you know to the current moment. You need to connect with what is relevant to you to what God is doing in this moment. And he's just straightforward about it. He keeps things relevant. And he understands that his audience to the point of, of they're the devout Jews. Like they're coming back to Jerusalem because they're looking for this long awaited Messiah, this long awaited savior. They're celebrating the feast of the harvest because of the promises and the prophecies about what this all means. He understands that audience. So he keeps it relevant to them. He holds out to, to what you know. And here's the other thing I love about this chunk of verses is that he points out one, two, three, four times this Jesus. Now that's something I think in our modern age, we just might blow by, but here's the beauty of this. Peter understood what these guys saw, what these people saw. Now we know that these are the devout Jews because they, they traveled to Jerusalem at Passover. They've come back now for the Feast of Weeks. They're gonna come back again for the Feast of Tabernacles. That these are the, the people that were gathered into Jerusalem when Jesus had this triumphal entry. There's probably people in this audience that were standing and, and shouting and praising the Jesus as he walked into Jerusalem. These are probably some of the people that watched him being on trial these are probably some of the people that watched him be whipped and beaten. These are some of the people that watched him be crucified. And Peter points out to that. But here's the thing that's so interesting about this. Because this, you remember when Jesus was on trial, someone was released. Who do you want to crucify? Do you remember who it was? It's a guy named Barabbas. There's Barabbas or Jesus. So here's an interesting thing. Jesus is a very common name in biblical culture. Barabbas's phrasing is actually, if you look at some of the, the Hebrew history that, in the New Testament history, that Jesus Barabbas was his full name. I was sitting in a Starbucks once when I lived in California and I'm going through a Bible study with a friend of mine and this, this gentleman comes up and he goes, hey, what are, you, what are you reading about? So I share with him a little bit about what's going on, what we're reading, what I'm doing with my friend. And he goes, um, can I show you something? 
Like he absolutely, so I think he flipped open to the book of Matthew and he starts telling me that the Jesus who I believe in wasn't the Jesus who was crucified. They actually let the Jesus I believe in go, that he actually didn't die, but it was Jesus Barabbas go. And I was like, that's a really interesting perspective. Tell me about that. Where did that come from? And he goes on to say, and kind of give you this understanding that there was two Jesuses that day. The Jesus Barabbas and Jesus of Nazareth. And as I was like, I don't really know a whole lot about that. I got to figure that out. So I did some research. I did some study. I'm like, yeah, I could see where that's super confusing. I could see where that would be the misdirection that the, uh, the enemy would take and saying, well, it wasn't real. Jesus didn't die on the cross. But Peter right here in chapter two in Acts points out the truth. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. He makes a point to understand which Jesus it was. He makes the point to understand that it was Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 23, this Jesus. Verse 32, this Jesus. Verse 36, this Jesus. He's pointing the attention to Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. He wants these, his audience to understand the relevancy of this Jesus as the Messiah, that there's power and there's truth that comes through his work on the cross, through what we see him unfold in verse 23 and 24, that this guy, he died on the cross, that he was crucified and killed by lawless men. And this was God's plan. And that's a crazy thing. It was God's plan to do that. But he was the one that was brought up, but death could not hold him. He was raised from the grave so that life could happen. This Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth, the promised one, the promises of God, the promises of the prophecy, the fulfillment of the covenant law. That's what this is about. That's who this is about. And Peter unfolds that for him. He keeps it relevant to what they know, what they've heard their whole lives. He takes the, the nooks and pieces of who they are and says, hey, I can speak into that. So think of in your case and you're, maybe you know your neighbors and maybe what they're going through. You can speak relevancy and truth in their lives. You know, in Iowa, very likely most people grew up in some kind of a church context. It's, it's, just, it's a traditional part of even a, just generally America. People have some experience. Most people have some experience with the church. We can speak truth into that experience because of what we know um, people understand or have, have gone through in their lives. Maybe good, maybe bad, maybe indifferent but we can keep it relevant just like Peter did when he draws out the prophecies, when he, he focuses on, 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 on who his audience is, when he, he sees that he, they need to move from head knowledge of what you just know about prophecies to heart knowledge and experience who this Jesus is for you. And he does that in the next way. He's missional in what he, he does and how he prepares. And this is something we can learn from that we can be missional in how we share the gospel with others. He basically just lays out the gospel. He lays it out before him. He points out in verse 23 that this is the definitive and foreknowledge plan of God that Jesus was crucified. This is the definitive and foreknowledge of God that Jesus was raised up from the dead, that he was loosed by the, from the pangs of death. And it wasn't even possible for anything else but God to move in that way. He unfolds the gospel through that. And as I was reading through, I, I circled where he, can, he points out the gospel in verse 21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see that in Romans 10, 13. 
Verse 23, we see it again. This Jesus delivered up and according to the plan of God, we see the gospel being preached. Verse 28, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness in your presence. There's the gospel in that verse 31. For he saw, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades. He didn't die. He wasn't a worm food, but he was brought back to life. His, his flesh did not see corruption. It did not break down. He was alive. And in verse 33, that, that we see the gospel, the promise of the good news that Jesus was gonna give us that he, he, he shared with his disciples before uh, he left and ascended into heaven back in the beginning of Acts. And then verse 36, that he is Lord and Christ. Peter unfolds the gospel. Here's a really easy way, I think, for us to unfold the gospel. It's this little thing called the Romans road. You, have you guys ever heard of the Romans road? It's, it's five verses that basically just walk down and, and, and share the gospel. Let me tell you what those verses are because this is a simple way, just taking it straight from the word of God that is relevant and it's current to every person in every situation to speak that life into him. Romans three twenty three. for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's the problem that the gospel addresses. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three. for the wages of sin is death. There's a problem with that our sin creates death. It is the ultimate result of, of is death in our sin. But the gift of God, Jesus, is eternal life through Jesus. His overcoming, his being loosed from the pangs of death, we find eternal life through Jesus. Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. You don't have to get it all worked out. Jesus came while you were still sinners. He brought the truth to you. He is helping you understand. He's, he's helping you respond to the goodness of his love for you, his grace for you through the cross and his resurrection. Romans 10, 9, and all you need to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. This is Lord, I recognize I've got this sin in my life. I believe that you are true, that you are real. I believe that you are Jesus of Nazareth. You are this Jesus who came for my life. And Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace with God, which ultimately is what we are all looking for. In the craziness of our context and our world and the relevancy of our world, man, we just want a moment to be able to take a deep breath and have peace again, to recognize that we're right again. We're back to the way we are created. And the gospel just unfolds that through the Romans road. Again, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9, Romans 5.1. Everything that Peter preached on this day can be found in those five verses out of Paul's letter to the church of Rome. It's a beautiful thing that he lays out the gospel. He's missional with his conversation. It's not just, I'm gonna get to know you a little bit. I just wanna hang out. I wanna befriend you. I wanna be kind to you. I want you to know the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. I wanna share the gospel with you. So Jesus, uh, Peter stays current. He speaks in a relevant way and he speaks in a missional way, sharing the gospel, laying out the gospel for his audience. And then finally, Peter makes it personal. He brings it right back to where the people are. 
He could have done a lot of things because in verse 17 through 21, he dives into some of the end times, what, what theologians would call eschatology there. And he could have gone off on, on what Jesus said about the end times, about hell and about heaven. But, and those are good things. We need to know those things. But in this moment, he knew that his audience just needed to see and to, and to be connected in their hearts to the person of Jesus. He could have done the same thing in Psalm 16 to speak about the theology of, and the doctrine of hell. But he didn't. He said, I want you to know the paths of life and I want you to be, find fullness in his presence. He makes it personal. He wants his audience, he wants his hearers to hear what Jesus has done and he wants them to connect, not with Peter, not with the apostles, but with the words they're speaking, the mighty works of God. He wants them to have a personal relationship with Jesus just like Peter had. He wants them to understand that Jesus was for them. He draws their attention to the center of the story. That is Jesus. He makes it personal. He focuses on Jesus's work, not ours. He focuses on the fact that he went to the cross and he was crucified. And that was God's plan. That was God's foreknowledge plan to do that. But he also focuses on that he did defeat death that it wasn't possible for death to hold him back. He makes it so personal that we have to run to Jesus. This isn't something we can do on our own. We can't fulfill the covenant on our own. Jesus has now fulfilled that covenant law. He speaks it right in to his audience to know who they are, what they believe. He says, but make this more personal. It's about the man, Jesus the savior of the world, the one you've been waiting for, the one you thought walked into Jerusalem just a little while ago. He's still that Messiah. You just have to see him from a different angle. You have to understand him and what he was really all about. And in verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Here's another two words that you can Put right next to those, master and savior. I'm gonna give my life over to follow after Jesus. Whatever he says, wherever he leads, whatever he's asking of me, I will do. He is the master, the, the Lord of my life. He's in control. I can't control that anymore. I wanna release that control over to him because I wanna experience the goodness and the presence of the spirit and the power of the resurrection in my life, but then hopefully through my life. And I understand that when I give oh, just my life over to him, to the man of Jesus, to receive the power of the spirit, that there's a saving grace in that moment, that Christ, our savior, redeems me back to a relationship with God, the one who created me in his image. Sometimes I don't feel like God created me in his image. Sometimes I... I wake up in the morning, I look in the, in the mirror and I go, uh-uh, <laughs> there's no way that I can be anywhere near the image of God. Look at it. But when I allow the spirit to speak into, I realize it's not about what my, my body and my flesh looks like, but it's what and who my soul is submitted to. That out of that beauty, I'm, I'm, I'm created, recreated through the power of the resurrection, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, to be in the likeness of God. And that relationship is so powerful and it's personal. It's personal. And as Peter unfolds this, 
He lets the, his audience, his listeners know what you've known and what you experience is so important to your journey. Why you're here, don't stop coming to worship. Don't stop gathering. Don't stop responding to the goodness and the glory of God. But no, respond to the goodness and glory of God through this man, Jesus, who made that relationship right again, who reconciled, who brought you back to that right relationship with God. That is not what you can do, but it's what he has done for you. And now what you do has a whole different meaning. How you respond and how you act has a whole different meaning. And I love what Peter does in this as he unfolds this, stay current, stay relevant, stay missional and stay personal as we have these opportunities just like Peter did. When the spirit shows up in a moment for you, whether it's in the aisles at high V or in your front lawn or on your back patio or in your office cubicle, whatever it is, the spirit's gonna show up in that moment and trust what the spirit's gonna do through you that he wants to speak the gospel of life through you to other people. And while it feels so nerve wracking, while it feels like I don't have the words, I'm not a pastor, I don't even know how to prepare a sermon. No one's asking you to give a sermon. Well, we have the opportunity and the responsibility based on Christ's command to go into all the world is to speak the truth of the gospel. And as long as we understand our, our, our friends that we're speaking to, their current situations, we can speak life into that. As long as we keep it relevant and we speak into what they know, we can speak life into that. As long as we can, we can speak the gospel, we can stay missional and say, my, my purpose of, of getting out into the world, my purpose of, of knowing my neighbors, knowing who my neighbors are is to share the gospel with them, to make much of the name of Jesus and to let them know that Jesus came for them. I'm gonna stay missional and then I'm gonna help them see that this is personal. Church, we don't need to be the apostle Peter. You don't need to be and have a title of pastor to make this happen. The spirit wants to work through you. And as we go through the whole book of Acts, you're gonna see Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit work through people who weren't apostles. You're gonna see stories of how people were moved to have conversations with others, to share the gospel, to speak into right where they were and to make sure that they understood the goodness of Jesus and what he conquered and what he did for you. So I want to do, have you guys do something as the band comes back up, just to close your eyes with me. Because I know hearing this can be one thing, but for some of us, we feel like, Jason, I've got this stuff going on. For me to even share the gospel with other people when, you know, my, my house is out of order, my kids are out of whack and, and, and maybe my marriage or relationships in my life just seem to be fractured and falling apart. I haven't done a good job with my money and my finances. And that's breaking things up in my world. Maybe I just lost my job and I don't even know what I'm gonna do next. How can I even begin to think about sharing the gospel and the truth of God's love when I'm struggling to understand it myself? And just as Brett shared earlier, the songs that we sang the spirit is gonna overcome and break those chains. He's gonna loose life into your life so you can breathe again. 
And maybe this morning we just need, before we run, run from this law into the world, that we accept what's happening in this law and the presence of the Holy Spirit for you, to remind you that Jesus has paid it all for you that he's the chief cornerstone, that we stand on his rock. And even though the waves around us seem overwhelming, the rock we stand on is secure and firm. It's a promise that will not change. The gospel that Peter preached is the same gospel for you and I today. When I don't feel worthy, when I don't feel loved, when I don't feel capable, that the spirit of God is gonna give us what we need to know that we are loved to know that we, are, we have received his love and his grace. That we're made right, that we're made worthy before the throne of God to come and just offer our worship to him. And to know that he's gonna give us a really awesome gift and he's gonna use that gift not only in us to speak life into us, but to speak through us the mighty works of God to our friends and our neighbors. So maybe as we go into this worship song, it's really easy to look at these four things to stay current and relevant and missional and personal. But maybe first we just need to come before the Lord ourselves and say, God, I submit to you as master and savior, Lord and Christ. Because God, that's what I need right now. I need to hear Peter's words and remember what Jesus did for me. I need to receive that truth and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life because my life needs to change. I need to have my chains broken and, and, and released. I need to receive the forgiveness. I've got this stuff going on in my life. I just wanna open my hands out before you, Lord, and to say, Lord, this is yours. I can't handle it. I don't want it. I just wanna give it up, Lord. I receive your forgiveness. And Lord, I run after you with all that I have. I believe in my heart that you make that change. So as we worship this morning, no matter where your heart may be, where your life circumstance may be, whatever your current is, come to the throne of God, knowing that you are welcome. That Jesus opened up the curtain to the Holy of Holies so that we could step before the throne of God and say, yes, Jesus, yes. I claim you, I, I hold on to you. I, I offer up all of my brokenness to you, Lord. Do something, spirit, fall on this place in my lawn chair right now or folding chair, whatever you're sitting in, wherever you're sitting at home, fall in this place and do something mighty in me that I can speak the mighty works of God. And here's a teaser for next week. When God shows up, the world changes. Lord, we just love you and we praise you. Lord, to take the words of Peter and to hold them close to our hearts. Lord, to know the truth of sin and darkness, but to know the victory of life, the grave defeated. Lord, we praise you. And we're so thankful we can't do this life in this world without you, Lord. So thank you for falling upon us, for drawing us close to your heart that we may know you and be saved by you. And Lord, I do. I ask that your spirit will fall in each and every one of us, whether here or at home, no matter where we are. And Lord, will you use us to speak 
the mighty works of God, to, to share the gospel with our friends and neighbors, both here in our towns, in our neighborhoods, in the city and beyond. May your glory be known. Lord, we love you. We love you.